Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Family Insights, a podcast series by UBS Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services. Today I'm here with Liz Cribbs. Liz is a senior strategist with the Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services team. The mission of this group is to serve as a thought partner to exceptional families. At UBS, we understand that your family's needs extend beyond the purely financial, so we take a strategic and sustainable approach to managing your wealth for continuity. This team works with UBS financial advisors and their clients to clarify and articulate your shared values and goals, bridge the gap between generations to perpetuate your family legacy, and develop a well-thought-out plan to support your family goals and philanthropic aspirations. Some background on Liz. Liz recently joined UBS and is based in New York. Liz works with financial advisors and their clients, helping them foster communication on wealth and engage in purposeful philanthropy with their families. Liz has over two decades of experience launching and leading foundations and corporate social responsibility programs, as well as advising individuals and families in maximizing philanthropic impact. Liz holds leadership positions on a number of nonprofit boards and serves as a mentor to many in the nonprofit and corporate sectors alike. And Liz is here today to talk about family meetings, including what they are and why we should all be having them. So Liz, it's great to be with you on the podcast today. Thank you for joining us and looking forward to our conversation. Thanks for having me, Dan. Now, Liz, I know there's a lot of ground that we want to cover during our time together today, so let's get right to it. Maybe it would be helpful, Liz, as a starting point. Can you explain to us exactly what a family meeting is? Great question, Dan, and one that our team gets a lot. Suggest a family meeting, and most clients will picture an annual event held at a long, polished conference table with financial documents to review and formal presentations. While financial capital is part of the family's wealth story, so too is its human capital, and we like to say that we're all worth more than what's in our bank accounts. So money isn't the only form of capital worth discussing, and that's where the family meeting comes in. An important distinction between a family meeting and a financial review is that with a family meeting, everyone at the table has a voice. Account or estate reviews often stop at inform, whereas family meetings intend to engage, educate, and help families evolve together. But instead of delving into what it is, sometimes talking about why to have them is more helpful and concrete. The three main reasons to hold family meetings are to remain connected as a family, to help family members learn from each other and share stories, values, and ideas, and to make important decisions together. I like to call it the four C's, connect, communicate, find common ground, and build consensus around what important decisions the family wants to make together or ways forward even if that consensus is that you won't reach a consensus on certain topics. And lastly, as a general rule of thumb, if there's money that can outlive the current wealth holder, a family should consider meeting at least once per year to talk about the business of being family. Well, thank you, Liz, for that context and background. I like how you put it, the four C's, again, connect, communicate, common ground, and consensus. So, Liz, it sounds like a family meeting isn't just about financial reviews and is a gathering to bring a family closer and more connected. But, Liz, what's actually discussed at these meetings and who attends? And is it just for the nuclear family or a larger extended group of family members? Great. A lot of great questions. So, in terms of topics, 
Wealth transition is one of the most frequent concerns that our team deals with, which includes preparing heirs to handle significant inheritance, but it's really whatever is important to a family at that time. Other topics include discussions related to a family business sale or succession plan, philanthropy, and personal values and stories. The answer to your second question, who should attend, often depends on the topics being discussed. If you're discussing a variety of practical issues, you may want to have experts present for those portions of the meeting. They can include attorneys, accountants, or other consultants. If the object is to nurture intergenerational connections and develop future leadership, you'll want to include adolescents and, of course, young adults in the family. If you're sharing specific estate planning information, it may make sense for immediate family members to meet first to decide how much of that information should be shared with the extended family. Clients often ask us about in-laws, and our short answer to that is, depending on the family meeting structure and topics, there could be a place for in-laws. Whether we are talking about spouses or in-laws, it's best to start as you mean to go on, as it's hard to be inclusive for one family meeting and exclusive for the next. So Liz, now at this point, we have a better understanding of what these meetings consist of and who should be involved and in which circumstances. So I do want to dig a bit deeper on one of the topics, Liz, that you just mentioned, uh, that being wealth transitions, uh, because I know it is on the minds of many of our clients here at UBS. So can you spend a few moments? expanding a bit on that? Yes, you're right, Dan. This does come up a lot. And it might be good to take a step back and talk for a minute about wealth transitions in general. I'm sure you've heard the phrase shirt sleeve to shirt sleeves in three generations, meaning the first generation earns the wealth, the second generation enjoys it, and the third generation squanders it. In fact, 70% of family money disappears by the end of the second generation and 90% is gone by the end of the third. What's even more jarring is that research shows that for every 1,000 estate transitions, 700 fail. And it's not primarily because of the planning documents that they weren't filed correctly or, or the like. 60% of unsuccessful wealth transitions can be traced to a breakdown in communication and trust within the family, and 25% of failures are caused by inadequate preparation of heirs. Family meetings are a perfect forum for both ongoing discussions around wealth transitions and financial education. Our clients often think of wealth transitions as binary. You either tell all or say nothing until the will is read. But there's a lot of room for discussion and communication around values, hopes and wishes of how wealth will be used and passed on, and the responsibility that comes with stewarding this wealth. Our listeners might have just done the math. 60% plus 25% leaves another 15% in terms of why estate transitions fail. If you break that down further, only 3% of those failures are due to lack of proper planning. The other 12% is the failure of a family to come together around a common mission. 
This is why we are intentional with the word transition rather than transfer. We very much view these conversations and processes as ongoing rather than one set events. Okay, so Liz, that makes a lot of sense as you explained it for us, the use of the word transition rather than transfer. So thank you for the color there. Maybe, Liz, let's touch on one more family meeting topic you mentioned. Again, because I know our clients are so passionate about this, that being philanthropy. So can you expand on that a bit for us? Sure. I'm glad you asked me about this, Dan. Philanthropy is a great way to bring a family together around shared values and interests, whether it be through management of of a family foundation or a donor advised fund, or working together to impact an issue area that is near and dear to the family members through financial contributions, volunteering, or both. Further, we see client families using philanthropy as a training ground or sandbox for learning about investments, too. Some parents aren't ready to talk about the full financial picture with family members just yet, but they also want their kids to learn about investments and asset allocation. Knowing that this portion of the family's assets is in a separate account from the other family assets allows kids to learn about investment portfolios and making investment decisions. We see families involving their kids in account reviews with their UBS financial advisors. Some families even involve kids not only in the grant research and recommendation process, but investment research and recommendations as well. Also, doing family philanthropy doesn't necessarily mean every family member cares about the same issue. Very often, parents will challenge their kids to research and present an issue and organization that they care about and allocate a separate amount of money for siblings or cousins to fund a project together. Liz, I do think it's important that we spend a few moments touching on meeting mechanics because meaningful use of time can make all the difference for the client experience. Are there any practical tips you can share for our listeners? Sure. I'm going to give you my top five for family meetings. First, it's important for the person calling the meeting to be clear as to why and communicate this. At the same time, it's critical to get others' input on the full agenda. We also suggest that the meeting be facilitated by a non-family member to keep the conversation both balanced and on track. Second, hold the meeting at a time that's convenient for everyone and consider meeting in a neutral location so family members don't fall into the traditional family roles. If it's held at an off-site location, the family will want to decide who will cover what expenses ahead of time so there's no stress or tension around this. Given the current climate, we've been doing quite a number of virtual family meetings with clients, so this is an option as well, especially when family members are located across the country or even the globe. Third, we find a written agenda tends to focus the group and centers everyone around the purpose of the meeting, the goals of the meeting, and topics for discussion. Everyone attending the meeting should receive the agenda in advance. Fourth, and this to me is the most important, establish ground rules at the beginning of the meeting and let everyone have input. Some common ground rules our clients come up with are respect the speaker, no interrupting, respect the listener, be succinct with your comments, and give the group the option of taking a discussion off the table and putting it on a future meeting's agenda. Fifth, and this is what I like to call check-ins and check-outs. During the meeting, check in with the group. Are the goals being met? Are family members engaged? And after the meeting, before everyone checks out, summarize the meeting and identify next steps and follow-ups. 
And of course, have fun. We hear from clients all the time how memorable and enjoyable these meetings can be. So do a fun icebreaker, take breaks, take time to enjoy each other. Oh, and one other item of practicality. Clients often ask us how often to have a family meeting. And our answer to this is as often as you need it. Some families start off with twice a year, especially if the meeting is prompted by a business sale or the passing on of a loved one. But general, generally, once things get going, once a year is usually sufficient. Well, thank you very much, Liz, for that guidance and for outlining those five best practices for use when it comes to meeting mechanics. I know we're beginning, Liz, to come to the end of our time together today. Before we close out our conversation, any last words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners today? Sure. I'm going to actually use someone else's words of wisdom, if I may borrow, from the late writer George Bernard Shaw, who said, the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. Family meetings offer a space to talk, but more importantly, to listen. We often feel because we've lived under the same roof for long periods of time with our other family members, we know who each other is and what our family members are thinking and feeling, but we don't always, A, because our lives are so busy and there's always so much background noise to manage through, but B, more importantly, because what family members and people in general are thinking and feeling is ever-changing and evolving. Family meetings allow us to stop, connect, catch up, and to really hear and be heard. It's about building healthy family rhythms of intentional communication that help families connect over time and through the generations. So Liz, at this point, it is safe to say that I am sold on this. So I'm sure many of our clients and listeners are as well. So how, Liz, can they go about getting started if they are interested in learning more and even exploring a family meeting? This is an easy one, Dan. They just need to reach out to their UBS financial advisor and talk about their goals and ideas. Their financial advisor will help them make their family meeting a reality and pull in the proper resources as needed. Well, very insightful and helpful guidance, Liz, when it comes to family meetings and the importance and benefits of them. Thank you very much, Liz, for your time, insight, and for joining us today on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me, Dan. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at ubs.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.